everyone. We are back for another episode of the CCW 10th Anniversary Podcast. Today, we are talking about leadership. Um, It is I, one of your lovely co-hosts, Sarah, and I am joined today by uh, Reverend Haley Eccles, like always. (laughs) Or you can just call me Haley. We're hanging out. You look very nice today, Sarah. Oh, thank you. No one can see us because we're, you know, not a video, but I'm glad that I looked nice for our audio recording. <laughs> well, my hair is wet. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought your curls looked really nice right now. Maybe it's because your hair is wet, but yeah. <laughs> I well, love the, <laughs> I was just saying, I love the way we just casually launch into conversation with each other. It feels very much like how gatherings usually start. Like, you know, you roll in and you start talking to people and you just like chat about whatever is like right on the surface. Um, and then it gets deeper, obviously, but also, like definitely it feels authentic to CCW because a lot of times when we do meetings, we talk about how the friendship and the connection is part of the work. And so the way that you've been with me on my curl journey through this last year is definitely, it's just a part of the work. It's how we lead together. And that's a, um, very gentle segue into the theme of today's episode, which is leadership. Yes. But before we dive into discussing the episode more, let's answer our community question because that is part of how we make the friendship and leadership happen. Yes. Today's community question um, is what was your favorite childhood book? This is such a fun one and really good for us because we're both like readers Mm-hmm. I'll call myself a nerd. I don't know if you will, but I oh yeah, definitely love to read as a kid. I had a Tumblr, and my at was like the fandom lady or something. And so, please, no one look that up. Um, but I definitely think that means I have to like lay claim to nerddom. Like, well, I just remember my love of reading started because I had um, this little. Uh, Oh, what did you call them? They were Fisher Price. It was like a tiny um, tape uh, tape player and it had a microphone with it. Oh, I had one of those too. I know what you're talking about, like recorders. Yes. And I would get these books on tape and it would like chime when you're supposed to turn the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just loved reading with those, although that's not my favorite childhood book, but I know I had several of those. My favorite childhood book was Alice in Wonderland. I actually mm. collect different versions of it. I think I have four or five um, different, they're different illustrated or annotations or whatever, but um and I try to read it once a year, but that was my favorite childhood book. Was that your- is fun. Um, my favorite childhood book was The Rainbow Fish. Uh, oh, that's such a good one. Mm-hmm. I I loved, loved The Rainbow Fish. I haven't read it in a while. I, I was one of the things I definitely could reread it, like, because it's not long at all. Um, but I just, I loved that book and I have like such fond memories of it. Um, on the shelf next to me it um, I actually uh preached a sermon series using children's books and I remember that I remember that I that was whenever you'd first like come to CCW and you were preaching somewhere for a couple weeks to I think cover for someone on maternity leave um and you were doing that and you were telling me about it and I thought it was really cool and then you like brought one of the sermons to CCW the one about the the O Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Shel Silverstein book, The Missing Piece in the Big O. 
Yes. Um, yeah, because children's books, I think, have some really great ways of talking about theology without getting like bogged down in a lot of the semantics, but more showing it. And yeah, that's really cool. Um, it also speaks so well to who you are, Sarah, like that the rainbow fish would be your favorite children's book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I, I've been who I am for a long time, <laughs> but speaking of like being who you are and like, cultivating those things. That's actually a lot of what Derek talks about, I think, in the main interview we have with him in today's podcast episode, right? Like this God putting people in CCW and it being his responsibility to cultivate them and nurture the talents and gifts that they have. That is like an important thing, I think, that we mentioned. I think also with the Rainbow Fish, it's all about sharing those talents and gifts. And he talks about that as well, how cultivating Mm -hmm. is a lot about, um, not just about what they uh, are growing in themselves, but also how they are giving it to others. So it was a really good interview. And uh, we'll get to talk to uh, other leaders in our community. Uh, We'll get to talk to Mike Yarick. We're going to talk to Grace and uh, probably a couple others. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I can't wait for everyone to hear it. So just keep listening and stay tuned, friends. CCW 10th Anniversary Podcast. I'm Haley. And I'm Sarah. And we're celebrating 10 years of asking questions, exploring faith, and loving one another in CCW. Join us as we recap the last 10 years and hope for the future with individuals who have shaped and continue to shape CCW. We'll share stories, laughs, dreams, and insights as we unpack the last decade of living the 614 life. We're so grateful to be able to come together to celebrate the continuation of this ministry where college-age young adults become leaders and laborers who will rebuild, renew, and restore their families, communities, and the world. Thanks for listening. My name is Olivia Smith, but formerly Olivia Wolf when I was involved in um, CCW pretty actively. And I'm excited to be here to tell you a little bit about what it was like um, in CCW when I was in CCW. When I joined CCW, when I came in, it had just switched over from being access to 18 at Crossroads. So they had been access to 18 previously. And my freshman year, UNF, was the first year that they were officially CCW. So I think with that being the case, Derek was pretty connected to um, different youth group directors in the Methodist community in Jacksonville. So they I think Derek knew, Derek and the leadership team knew who I was and that I was coming to UNF before I knew who CCW was, (laughs) Um, which is so strange, but I think helped a lot with me feeling like I had a place of belonging. Like I feel like people wanted me there. So I kind of, I knew who, I knew what CCW was, but I wasn't like convinced. Like I had been really involved in my youth group my home church in Jacksonville. And I had decided like to make a clean 
cut. Like I was not going to go back to the church while I was at school. I wanted it to be its own time in my life, its own season. And so I had a very different thought or plan of what I wanted to do when I went to college. I was like, I need to join. I need to rush. I need to join a sorority. And that's going to be like my community. And a lot of that was driven by uh, decisions that like friends of mine had made or what their college experience was like, instead of really looking at what I wanted out of my own college experience. Um, and so I started going to CCW not right away into freshman year, but pretty soon um, with my roommate who was not a part of the church at all. So I'm, but I drug her along and made her come with me. Um, but that's once I got there, Sarah Hartley and Ariel Hines. I'm trying to think who else was on. Like, well, Christina Gonzalez was there. Well, Christina Vieira at the time. <laughs> um, all those people were on leadership in terms of like female staff, female volunteer leaders. And they were amazing at making us, me and my roommate, Sophia, like feel right at home. But I tend to like jump headfirst into wanting to be involved in things. Um, I feel like a very strong pull and connection to being a helper and being someone who is doing in various spaces. So that I think was the, probably the catalyst for how quickly I got involved. However, I don't think it would have happened. I wouldn't have felt as connected to that pool if it weren't for people from CCW, like in that community who really created intentional ways of welcoming me and like encouraging me and affirming me in various strengths or capabilities that I had. So uh, even like when I, and it's a funny thing, but when I first joined as just like as a volunteer for like being on community night team, like Ariel like jokingly proposed to me and was like, will you be on my team? And it was pretty soon into being a part of the community. And Derek was like, we don't need to be like dragging her into, into helping it. Like let her just be part of the space. But I was like very much like ready to and willing to like jump in and so having Ariel and that crew to really um affirm and welcome me into leadership without really second guessing or feeling like they were hesitant to do it really pushed me and in a good way into that role All right. Well, as we're continuing kind of the story of CCW and we're talking about leadership, who better to talk to about leadership than the leader of the whole thing? Visionary. <laughs> no. Our, in general, one of our favorite people, Derek. And um, I just wonder if uh, if you would mind sharing how your soul is today. First of all, I, I guess this is an answer to the question. Hey, everybody, it's Derek. Um, and I guess this is an answer to the question how my soul is. My soul is so full of gratitude um, for you two in this space, but um, just all of the folks that have been a part of the CCW story and that I get to be a part of the CCW story. And I, I it, it it's like 
I don't know. I'm just full of gratitude about it and that we're headed towards this 10-year moment. And uh, yeah, um, my, my soul is, is just deeply grateful. And Julian's like, yes, he's grateful. Yes, he is. And, and who is Julian for people who haven't been around you in the last year, Derek? Julian, Julian is my Bengal cat that is highly social and highly vocal. And so whenever I'm recording and talking to people via Zoom specifically, um, he's not allowed in my bedroom, but I record from my bedroom and, and um, he's not happy about that. But also he's just a really great cat and I love him. He's got tons of personality. Um, his eyes are just like, he makes these faces where he's just like, I see you guy, I see you. <laughs> um, great, great cat. So yeah, anyway, yeah. And Winston's still with me. Gave Ralphie away because I hate that dog. Um, Ralphie's with a family that will love him forever because um, he'll live forever. Um, Winston's still here, doing great. He's just chilling on a couch in the other room. He doesn't need anything. He's happy. He's a great dog. His name is Winston. I love him so much. <laughs> they are lovely, lovely animals. I got to spend last week with them and they're they just delightful, delightful Yeah, they creatures. are. So like Haley said, we're here to talk about leadership today specifically. Um, and I think a good place to start is to consider CCW's guiding verse, because I think that's what a lot of things flow out of, right? Particularly even our philosophy on leadership. And so I'm curious how the verse, Isaiah 61.4, which if you've been a part of CCW for any length of time, you know what that is. Um, how does it guide the work you do in equipping this next generation of leaders? Yeah, um, and I, you, you sent me lots of questions and I reflected on them, but I didn't do it too deeply because I kind of wanted to just enter this space and just speak directly from my heart. So how does how does the verse really guide how I do this work in, in equipping next generation leaders? I, I want to make sure that when we talk about leadership development, we are thinking about the people who need to be led and that leadership centers those individuals. That leadership develop development, while yes, it's about developing the leader, it's about developing the leader for the sake of others. So Isaiah 61.4, they will build up ancient ruins, raise up former devastations, repair ruined cities, like rebuild, renew, restore that can quickly turn into a, I am here to build. <laughs> I am here to restore. I am here to, and I want that. Like we want young adults who are equipped to lead in this next generation, a world that definitely needs to be rebuilt, a world that needs new iterations of what it means to have institutions and what it means to be spiritual leaders, what it means to be uh, political leaders. We really need a generation of leaders who see leadership as a stewardship and not uh, an entitlement. Mm -hmm. And so my understanding of Isaiah 61.4, and actually the whole chapter of Isaiah 61, is that everything that's happening is for the people. <laughs> you know, you start at verse one, three the Lord God is upon me, the Lord has anointed me to do some very specific things for people. The anointing's not for me. The anointing is so I can do these things for these people. And so I'm always asking the question, how do we help the next generation of leaders 
be super confident and equipped in their leadership, but recognize that it's all for someone else. And it's something that needs to be invested, something that needs to be given away. And so that for me is what Isaiah 61.4 is about. Isaiah 61.4 is not simply about restoration. Though it is about restoration, it is also about the kind of individuals who recognize that restoration is for and possibly for someone else in a way that I might not necessarily benefit in real time, but I'm here to do this for them. That's really interesting um, because I know that we've had encounters within our local churches where sometimes this model of leadership within a young adult community doesn't always translate well. Mm-hmm. Like we'll often get people in local churches wondering how they can volunteer, how they can kind of pass on their wisdom. And yet a lot of times um, what we're continuously trying to do is to have leaders spring up from those spaces, not kind of bring in outside leaders. So I wonder about that idea of empowerment and some of those tensions that we have in kind of equipping those leaders. You're exactly right, Haley. And this is where y'all didn't intend for this to be an Isaiah 61 exposition, but the people, there's a way of reading Isaiah 61 the people who you know are being having good news spoken to them or being you know brokenhearted being healed all of those folks in verse 1 and 2 become the people who rebuild renew and restore and so there is this sort of circle that you know full circle dynamic within Isaiah 61 that I can't and I was actually thinking about this on the drive home like I can't imagine thinking about folks who need to fill positions in CCW, finding those folks primarily outside of CCW, though we definitely have folks who come in from the outside. But my, I'm always like, my first reaction is, whoever we need for this moment is already in our community. And so it's a matter of, and so I, I do hope implicitly that translates to local churches when they peer into CCW and they ask questions like, do you see that like, the the people that that you're like oh my gosh they are the assistant director like but yeah these are people that have like history within CCW they're not necessarily people who came into CCW right into this like position of of you know huge responsible leadership but these are people who we served and now they are serving and I I do believe that. And, and obviously, I'm very good with people coming in from the outside, if you will. But I do believe that there is a, a, a mandate on my life, at least, to lead the people right in front of me and to nurture the, the students. These are the people that Jesus has asked me to take care of spiritually, which includes helping them become all that they can be, helping them get out what's in them, helping them have the deepest sense of self that they can walk into any environment knowing who they are and what they bring to the table. And, and to that being like the, the razor focus of my work. And that's the part that I love so much about raising up next generation leaders is like, these are the people just right around me. Like I'm not going to get them. They, 
Jesus brings them, and then it's my responsibility, yes, to care for them, make sure they have a relationship with Jesus, but also to remind them that their life is a stewardship, that their yes to Jesus is connected to somebody else's cry out to Jesus. And um, and if I do hope implicitly people pick that up. Um, maybe I need to talk about it more explicitly, but... No, yeah. I mean, I think... I mean, I guess you could talk about it more explicitly, but I think that's like a really good way of explaining the way like our value of personal growth and our like emphasis on Isaiah 61 4 and how that all ties together into like growing leaders and laborers for the kingdom mm-hmm. and developing mm-hmm. you know these individuals to have like deeper relationships with God but also to steward the world around them and the church around them and Sarah if I could just insert something about that word kingdom because in the theological side of the family that we are on, the theological pond we're swimming in, sometimes the use of the word kingdoms, like, why do you keep calling it kingdom? And they're like, I get it, I get it. Um, and so there are moments that I even want to say instead of kingdom, kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just want to acknowledge that the reason why I'm okay with kingdom is because I believe that Jesus is the leader of this thing that God is doing, this this family that God is bringing together. And, and bigger than a family in many ways, this like mega, you know, multi-tribal, um, multi-layered, multi-generation gathering of people, um, which then, you know, then expands further to all of creation. And the thing is, while I may bristle at male assumptions around leadership, and there's where that kingdom thing, it's just assumed that it's going to be a male. I so trust Jesus like, and this is just, just me talking, this is Derek. So next you no know, person <laughs> who comes after me in executive director leadership can change it. But for me, I so trust Jesus to be the kind of leader that we all, the kind of liberating leader that we all need that, um, ooh, I'm, I'm here for it. And, and I want him, I, I do want to keep him centered. So I, for me, kingdom is a is not so much pointing to male leadership. Kingdom is pointing to the king who I call Jesus. Now other folks are like, that's cool. And so we call it the kingdom because we've all been included. And like, you know, Ephesians told us we're going to sit in heavenly places with him, co-heirs with Christ. You know, yes, yes, yes. And that's where I can always use kingdom um, in place of kingdom. But for me, it is a direct point to Jesus as the king. And I trust Jesus to hold that title of king, again, as a stewardship, (laughs) to hold that title of king being about us, coming to to know God and all of God's fullness and to experience the love of God in real profound ways. And so I just wanted to insert that because it does, I think, need to be explicitly said, that's why I use kingdom as opposed to kingdom. Um, and again, next DD is going to come in and change the whole thing, as they should. So keep going. Sorry. Just had to put that in there. Well, since you're talking about uh, kind of kingdom or kingdom work, um, one thing I, I think that's really neat about CCW's story and has kind of been a part of our leadership is that campus ministry is not siloed to campuses as a United mm. Methodist organization. There are a lot of times where, you know, we are very connected to district or conference work or larger parts of the story. And I just wonder how that um, has been influenced by your own leadership philosophy or, you know, the own 
the ways that you inhabit your own leadership. Yeah, um, and Haley, make sure that I'm getting to the question. But I just have this deep belief that, one, the Holy Spirit's pursuing every single person on the planet constantly. And y'all, I just had this whole moment of like digital ministry and that being a function of the Holy Spirit's pursuit. And I was just like, oh my God, I, just, I had this explosion in the car, uh, mind explosion <laughs> in the car. <laughs> so anyway, um, but because I believe that, I all, and then coupled with that, I believe that Jesus has asked us while, yes, the Holy Spirit is pursuing every single person, Jesus asked me slash us to be a space specifically for the college-aged young adult. In some respects, regardless of where they are on that journey, both spiritually but also um, practically with regard to education and career and stuff like that. And so the thought is, if the Holy Spirit brings anyone aged 17 to 24 through our doors... One time. That is a sign to me that it's a good chance. There's a good chance. Jesus is asking me slash us to take spiritual responsibility for that individual. And I don't get to stand at the door. Um, the, only, the only prereq is, are you 17 to 24? And I even get weird about that because, like, the Holy Spirit is pursuing everybody. And at some point, Jesus is going to be like, I know you heard it said 17 to 24, but I say <laughs> they're 28 and you better take care of them, Derek. So I'm waiting for that day when, like, the whole thing gets disrupted. But for now, the only bar someone's got to clear is 17 to 24. They don't have to be in school. I mean, even with Studio Wesley, we, we're, we're literally saying they don't have to even be in our, our physical region anymore, right? 17 to 24, the Holy Spirit brought them here. And so now it is my job and our job to take spiritual responsibility for them. So it's not just about creating gatherings and programs and stuff, but it's literally about saying something about your journey as a spiritual being is now connected to my work as a spiritual leader. And I until I sense, and this is where Derek talks for himself, until I sense that Jesus is like, it's cool, they're not going to be a Methodist, they're not going to lean towards a moderate or progressive stance, they're not interested in the multi multiplicity of dynamics within Jesus' family, so you're, you don't have to deal with this, you don't have to take care of, that. somebody else's, I'll use this term, that's somebody else's sheep, <laughs> that, that and and you you're good Derek but for me man they come through our doors at any moment and I'm like okay they we belong to them not they belong to us we belong to them and so <clears throat> often you'll hear me say and this is one thing that I think we've all said we exist for you this is what we say to our students we are here for you um and so you tell us when you need us you come to us Whenever you need us, because we exist for you, because the Holy Spirit brought you to us so that we could be there for you. Did I answer your question, Haley? I think so, but I think it also just went really deep into why um, 
leadership or connection outside of campus ministry is important because Mm. I think what I've experienced from you is while you are simultaneously caring for a 19 year old um, in our ministry, you're thinking about the way that a local church is preparing a fourth grader who's going to eventually be in our ministry. And you're thinking about this 19-year-old needs a place to go when they graduate. And so a lot of that ministry that happens kind of on a larger scale is because of a deep care and a deep knowing of what our community needs to know that there's going to be hand handoffs. There's going to be ways that we're launching leaders in new spaces, but Mm -hmm. there's work that needs to be done in those spaces as well to be able to um, really accept, appreciate, and utilize the leadership that is being cultivated. No, that's exactly it. And, And this is where I love it that you use some intentional images of the college-age young adult. And I wish I had a better term for college-age young adult. I don't like to use emerging adult because they're adults. <laughs> um, but this idea that you have a 21-year-old freshman and you have 20-year-old folks who are graduating from undergrad, right? And you've got 18-year-old individuals who are moving into a career and you got 23 year olds who are still sort of asking the question like what the heck am I going to do with my life and I don't think undergrad college whatever is the space at least not right now um right and so you have that diversity of experiences and god bless it I, I don't know if our local churches always know how to a name that and then if they do name it to name it as this is what happens in this stage of life, not this is an outlier of what happens in the stage of life. Does that, does that make sense? I'm going all over the place, y'all. Y'all knew that, though. No, this has been so, so good and beautiful. And we have so many more questions, but we are going to have to take a quick break to get some other stories in this leadership episode because... CCW has a lot of stories and we're trying to get all the perspectives because it's not just about what Derek thinks and has seen in the 10 years. Thank God. (laughs) All right. So stay tuned for the second half of this conversation with Derek friends. We'll be right back. Welcome to another micro interview segment. Uh, Today, we are joined by my right hand um, in CCW, the lovely Allison Corwin. Um, Haley is here as well. Haley's my other right hand. So like, really, like I just, I'm a whole person right now, actually, (laughs) in terms of functioning with CCW. Um, Because no, Allison's great. I've known her for a couple of years now and I just, I love her so much. Um, But I will let her... Uh, tell you more about herself and, you know, what she's done in CCW on her leadership journey and what she's doing now. Yeah. So it's actually weird because this question has a little bit of a different answer than it usually does when I get asked this question. Um, 
I am a ministry assistant for CCW currently. I work, like Sarah said, I work with her. Um, lots of social media stuff, interacting with it, making graphics, pulling quotes. Um, I'm the face behind, or I guess voice, because this is a podcast, behind the Monday Mantra. Um, yeah, I am lost my train of thought there. Um, in the past, I so I started off as an intern for operations, setting up gatherings, and then it just kind of formed into this role. So it just like step by step switched from like setting up gatherings to the social media side of things. Yeah, and you do so so much. You did so so much for gatherings. I mean, you were kind of my right hand flagler person whenever I was overseeing the gathering setup, and then now, yeah, you're my right hand with like social media for Studio Wesley and Wesley's Revival. And I just, oh, I appreciate you so much. You're just so, I don't want to say like competent feels underwhelming, but you're so like just present and you do the things and you, you're just so wonderful. Um, you're also just a delightful person to talk to. Like, and you actually recently like moved and are like going through some like life, like personal, like directional changes. Do you want to enlighten us about that briefly? Yeah, so I like made a comment in my last response about um, this answer is so much different because usually I would say I'm also a teacher and I teach two-year-olds, but I recently have moved and no longer am a teacher. Um, I moved to Tampa because I am planning on attending USF in the fall for a social work degree. So I've kind of transitioned things a little bit in my life, which is why these answers are a little weird right now because it's still kind of a fresh thing and I'm, the location is weird, but I like to still be able to interact and be a part of CCW from afar. Yeah. And what has that been like, this like virtual, like being a part of CCW and being involved in in leadership? Because you've done the in-person like stuff, but now you've been for the last year or so doing the very like remote virtual kind of leadership things. Yeah, so that definitely was a big change, especially like considering that my job predominantly was still in operations um, before the pandemic started. So my job was mostly, you know, gathering all the stuff, bringing it to the gathering, setting up gatherings, breaking it down, taking it home. And so that switch from like in person to online was a big one because the majority of my job was all in person. Um, and it definitely has helped me kind of branch out because I used to not be super into like social media and stuff, but the more I've learned with CCW, the more fun it's been. Um, and I actually think that I prefer this aspect than I, and I don't think I would have said that like two years ago, if you would have asked me. Um, but this has, it's been a super fun experience to have that shift of online. And then it's definitely different because I do miss seeing everybody face to face. And there's just something in online that you can't, that you can't get um, that you do get in person, but it's been an interesting shift for sure. I guess I just wonder how going deeper into leadership and the challenges of leadership helped wrestle with this like larger um, call to kind of go back to school and change what you're doing. I mean, honestly, I would say that... Um, my leadership within CCW kind of has given me more courage than I used to have. And I don't know if that's just like the atmosphere and the people I've gotten to work with. I mean, I think that's probably it. Like they're, everybody's just so encouraging. Um, I, and I'm still quiet in meetings and I, was, I don't ask as many questions as I should, but I do question things now. Whereas before I would just sit there and I would just listen. Um, and the idea of such a big life change, I don't think I would have done. 
And I think I owe a lot of that to CCW, like giving me the space to kind of step up and to do more, I think helped with my courage and helped me kind of make those bigger decisions and get on the path that I was looking for. Mm. I like that. I like that discussion about courage. And um, I think that that's a big part of, um, of leadership. I'm curious how how you would generally describe your experience in CCW leadership like is it is it like largely this like journey to be more courageous or are there like other layers to it that you'd want to like highlight so I do think that's a large part of it um and I think the more involved I got and the more chances I was able to have kind of gave me more courage the longer I was kind of within leadership Um, there's just also some things too, that I think you get out of leadership that you don't get out of other things like community. I mean, you get community within CCW, but there's like a different kind of community, um, like formed between leaders too. And so I love both of those aspects. I love community with students and the relationships we have there, but then I also love the relationships that have been built within leadership. Um, and even like I lived in Fort Dub for a while. And so building relationships inside Fort Dub is again, a different, a whole different type of community than just like leaders I haven't lived with or students. And so I like that. I like the way to, how do I word this? I like being able to branch out in different ways with different people. And I think that's another big thing that kind of drew me to leadership and has kind of like encouraged me to stay, um, is just the relationships. And every time we get, you know, new leaders, I feel like the relationships are the same, you know, it doesn't, and even if, I guess I shouldn't say same, but there's, they're built in a similar way and it's not like somebody's coming in they don't really feel foreign. You know what I mean? They're just like, they're like, yeah, they fit, that works. Um, and so I think that's another thing. I love that. And I love how you brought up Fort Dub and like being a part of the residency program because you were like in Fort Dub for a, a while. Like, I think you were like one of the longer residents in that house and like in terms of like length of time people have been in residency programs I feel like you're one of the like I don't want to be like longest serving but like (laughs) the people who've been there were, were there for quite some time and I guess I'm curious if you could speak more to how your time in the residency program impacted you as a leader like and what that was like yeah. Um, and I definitely mentioned this already, like the connections it, I, I have to say, I was a little nervous going into it because I lived on campus up until that point, And I, other than that, I'd only li- ever lived with my parents. So like the idea of like going into a house and living with people that I, I mean, I didn't really know anybody at that time. I think I had been a part of CCW for like six months and then I applied to be an intern and moved into Fort Deb. So like I was still kind of getting used to everyone and kind of getting to know everyone. So it was a little, you know, intimidating at first, but then, I mean, it was almost immediately, like we started forming connections and forming bonds and even like the little things, if we weren't even trying to form a connection, you know, somebody would be watching like friends or something on TV downstairs and somehow we'd all migrate downstairs and sit down and watch TV together. So even if it wasn't like planned or nobody was trying, we were still building these connections And I think that's a super important aspect of leadership because I think that it helped me kind of find my place within CCW a little more because everyone was still, I was still trying, I was still trying to find my spot. And so I think once I moved into Fort Dub, I found it because it was not only was I building connections with these people that I now live with, 
um, and becoming friends with them, doing things with them. We would, I mean, there was one time where we just all were like, hey, you want to go watch a movie? We got in a car and left and went to the movie, like out of nowhere. Um, but also, if there were other people that I hadn't had a chance to form a connection with, chances are somebody in that house had. And so it kind of helped me ease into more relationships and more connections with people. And so I think, I, I mean, I loved my time in Fort Deb and don't think I'd want to change it for anything. Thanks so much, Allison. It was really good to talk to you and talk a little bit more about what God's been doing in you as a leader. We are so grateful to our students, partners, and alumni, without whom the last 10 years would not have been possible. As your Northeast Florida campus ministry, we rely on your support to connect with college-aged young adults. Because of your donations, we are able to reach 18 to 24-year-olds at UNF, Flagler, JU, and DWU, as well as those who are on other campuses in Northeast Florida or not attending college. We are also able to connect with students both in and out of Northeast Florida on our digital campus, Studio Wesley. Here, we are able to meet students where they are, online, and provide them with a space to ask questions and grow their faith. To celebrate 10 years of CCW, we've set a goal of raising $10,000. That's $1,000 for every year CCW has been your campus ministry. You can celebrate a decade of CCW by visiting campustocity.org slash 10 to give your one-time anniversary gift or commit to supporting CCW with a monthly gift. Again, that address is campustocity.org slash T-E-N. Thanks for being part of the celebration. Hello, friends, and um, welcome to another one of our micro interviews. Um, this is for our leadership episode, and today we are privileged to talk to Michael Yarrick. Um, okay, I have things to say about Mike. Um, one, I have known Mike longer than anyone in CCW. He and I met doing community theater prior to either of us going to UNF. He's actually the only reason I know about UNF and the only reason I like wound up in CCW. And he quite literally changed my life. And I just, I love Mike so, so much. And I'm so excited that we're talking to him today and that I get to see his face. Y'all don't get to see his face, but I do in this Zoom room and it fills me with joy. Um, but I will let him tell you more about himself and what he's currently up to and what he did when he was in CCW slash what he's still doing for CCW. I, I absolutely do not deserve that welcome, sir. <laughs> oh, that was really nice. Um, yes, my name is Mike Yarrick. Sarah's one of the few people that pronounces my last name correctly, which is okay. Um, <laughs> we just laugh. Uh, what, what? Okay. Currently in CCW, I do, I do like I don't know if I have, do I have an actual title? I just know myself as, I just do what Sarah and Derek asked me to do. In the Your world official of title design. is ministry specialist. I'm, ooh, I'm a ministry specialist. And I do like graphic design work for Derek and Sarah whenever they so ask me to do things. Um, in the past, I've also been, a, oh no, <laughs> I did not prepare these answers. Oh God. Um, in the past, I've also, I, I think I, I was like a student leader first, if that, yeah, student leader, well, student, student leader. I was an intern for a couple of years. I think, I think there was like a semester where I was like a, a media fellow. It all kind of blurs together because at the end of the day, you're just doing whatever Derek asks you to do, which is like the best job in the world, to be honest. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, my roles in CCW. You said, you said, 
a little bit about what I'm doing now, like in CCW world or like well, outside of CCW? Generally, yeah. What are you up to these days? Oh, like, what is I, life uh, like? I've got one semester left in a grad program at Texas Tech University for a uh, master's of fine arts in performance and pedagogy, which is really long and fancy for me to just say that I study storytelling at a grad level. And that's super fun. But yeah, I graduated in December. Yay, go me. <laughs> Congratulations on being so close to graduating. Um, that's very exciting. And I totally, I feel you're like, you do whatever Derek asks you to do and it's great. Um, I think that's a lot of people's experience with certain CCW like leadership roles. Um, Cause you did a lot of different things. Yeah, you did you still do graphic stuff, but you did media stuff before that. And you played in the band and like you lived in housing and you invited me to CCW and invite a lot of people. I think like you're a great like recruitment person. I mean, Aww. yeah, you just, you did so much. Oh, thank you. I'm curious if you wouldn't mind uh, describing a little more what being in CCW leadership was like. <laughs> Do you, okay, do you know, <laughs> I was thinking of this, do you know that like gridded thing where it like ranges from chaotic good, like chaotic bad, chaotic neutral, like all these things? I consider like uh, my experience in CCW as chaotic good. It's like, very, like everything is just with the best intentions and like we don't care what anybody else says, it's going to be with the best intentions no matter what. Like, and that's like, I think that's the definition of chaotic good. There's probably somebody out there that's like listening to this and you're like, you're so wrong. And that's okay. My, my experience with CCW has always been a great one because like, where else are you going to have a leadership position where like every rung on the ladder of leadership is there intentionally to like, not only befriend you and like mentor you, but also yeah. Well, actually, no, that, yeah. But all, like it surpasses just like being in leadership and being told what to do, but you're also like actually in fellowship with these people, which is just so cool. And I think you see that like top down. I mean, I don't even know if that's a, the good phrase to use. Cause it's like top down. I don't even know if it's that hierarchical. It's like flip it on its side. It's like flat instead, but you know, yes. Anyways, I'm rambling, but no, it was, it's a great experience. I got to live in, in house in a house with a bunch of people that I, loved more than anything and then also got to work with them in the evenings it was like while I was in college right so while I'm in undergrad studying school and then like normally at the end of your day your long day it's like super stressful I was also a year where I worked for CCW while working full-time and it's like normally you would expect to like hit the end of your day and just be exhausted and not want to do anything else but this is like working for CCW and leadership was like a job where it's actually fulfilling and gratifying. So you don't mind tacking it on to an end, the end of a long workday already. Yeah. I don't know. It's great. I appreciate the image of chaotic good, because I think that when you, when a lot of people think of like ministry or job titles and they hear intern or they hear fellow, they might think of it like in other jobs where there's like specific roles mm. and boxes and check marks. And so many times I think CCW really creates roles around people um, and really could probably have as many job titles as they have individuals, just because it depends on what different people are bringing to the table and uh, the different things they have to offer. 
And I mean, there is some work that just has to get done at the end of the day, but um, we won't always have somebody who knows how to do certain media stuff. So we won't always have a media fellow kind of thing. Yeah. yeah but the, those like, yes, you're right. There's those menial jobs where like they have to get done. So we like split them up evenly, but yeah, they, it all, I'm pretty sure in every single role from like student leader all the way through to like, the ministry specialist <laughs> that my title is now. Like, I feel like all of them were catered towards like, what can you handle and what do you want to do and where, what are your strengths, right? Instead of like, yeah, uh, yes, you're, we're going to give you the stuff that you that just has to get done also, but it gets to be mixed with like what your, your specialist area is, which is just super cool. I mean, we were talking about Austin Kelly earlier. This is a shout out now officially, but you know, like, Austin Kelly wants to do voiceover work or like has talked about interest in voiceover work. And when he was an intern for CCW, he got to like do some of that for an Evolve gathering. I, yeah, that that sort of like degree of like, we care about what you're interested in and we want to like utilize that. I think that's, that's awesome. But I'm curious specifically, how did your time in CCW grow you as a leader? And like, was there a particular growing edge or lesson that's been really valuable and impacted you? Yeah, okay. So me and a few other people in CCW when I was an intern. And I mean, this, well, this, this also extends to when I was um, the, the media fellow as well. It's like, you have all this other stuff going on and there's all these other things, part of your schedule. And every now and then you're going to slip up and make mistakes in your leadership role, or you're going to miss a deadline or something. Sarah's looking at me because she knows that I'm missing a deadline for her right now. But uh, anyways, there's these times where we, <laughs> we miss our deadlines and, uh, <laughs> Um, there's like, man, CCW that it's, there's so much, there was so much grace in it. And this is a very simple answer, but I think it's an important one because I know going into any other job, not talking about CCW that I've had, there's been such a stress for me about messing up when it comes to deadlines or messing up with just me meeting the responsibilities or like, yeah, if I mess up one time, I think I'm going to get fired, right? Like this is the fear that we're taught as children by our parents or whatever. Um, you know, make sure you do good, right? Um, yeah, but in CCW, you're given grace for these moments. And I, I consider this like a growing edge or a lesson because I mean, now while I'm at Texas Tech, I, I mean, I teach undergrad classes, um, specifically intro to acting. And I think they're moving me to theater appreciation in the fall. But um, I have all these students that are not majoring in theater, but they're taking a theater class. And like, you know, there's at some point, there's an acknowledgement that this is not the thing that they're going to be pursuing in the future, right? And for a lot of people in CCW, CCW is not necessarily going to be the thing that you pursue in the future, right? Like campus ministry is not going to be every single person's job in CCW. I mean, for, for a lot of people, like it does become that because of how great of an environment it is. But right at the end of the day, it's not, it's not, it's not everybody's calling, right? But yeah, so I, I'm teaching I teaching this class and getting to utilize this like idea of grace in a college class. And like nobody expects that from a college professor. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say that right now. Like, um, yeah, just be just getting to like offer a little bit of grace to students, just acknowledging that, hey, this isn't your primary thing, and I'm gonna like work with you and like like I who am I as a as a theater professor to say like you should get my assignment done before your chemistry class. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, that makes no sense to me, right? And uh, yeah, I, I, th I think having that dialogue with students is really important. And I'm also only able to have dialogue 
on that deep of a level with students because like CCW in leadership teaches you that the skill of having to like, hey, if there's a new person that walks in the door, like you need to be able to like hold a conversation with them or we want you to be like able to create a space for that person to feel welcome, right? And like, you, that's where that starts with students too. Like I have to make my students feel welcome enough and able to communicate with me what they need, right? Otherwise I will not be an effective teacher. And uh, yeah, that's like, that's really impactful for me because I, I do... At, to some degree, want to want to work in education a little bit, and I think all of that starts with some of the skills that I learned as like both a student leader, then intern, and everything in the CCW world. So, yeah. Well, I really like hearing that connection um, because we do have a lot of CCW uh, students and alumni who aren't called to campus ministry and yet are still called to be leaders wherever they go. Um, and so I like hearing that connection between uh, the leadership you get to take on as a professor and um, how it maybe didn't start, but was fostered in a uh, in the same house that I live in now yeah, <laughs> and doing yeah. the roles that we were doing. So yeah, thanks for joining us for this conversation, Mike. And um, it's been fun to see, uh, to just be in the room with you and Sarah and y'all's friendship. And yeah, so I hope everyone else enjoyed it as much as I did. The old adage, it takes a village, is a reality in campus ministry. Raising up a new generation of leaders only happens when campus ministry and local churches partner together. We are grateful for our partnering churches, including Mandarin and Riverside Park United Methodist Churches in Jacksonville and Memorial UMC in Fernandina Beach. These congregations have mentored students who are considering vocational ministry, and they've created space on their leadership teams and ministry staffs so these students could explore their callings. We're grateful for the commitment you've made to connecting, serving, and facilitating the growth of college-aged young adults in Northeast Florida. All right, everyone, we are back for the second half of our conversation with the Derek Scott III um, about leadership. Um, yes, applause in the room. Just kidding. <laughs> Um, so before the break, Derek, um, you were talking some about, I think generally with the term I would use would be kind of leadership philosophy and how God, you know, places people in your midst and then it's your job to care for them until God tells you it's not. And then Haley was kind of diving into the connected nature of our work and local church work. And I'm wondering over these 10 years of CCW, um, what are some key moments that have like caused those perspective and growth points to happen for you to come to mm. those conclusions? Yeah, I mean, oh, too many. We don't have time. Um, I mean, if I'm, I mean, I can, we can talk about this one individual on our team. And, and some of this, I'm going to just try to like use pseudonyms and other names because I don't, I haven't asked permission to share their stories. But, you know, immediately I'm thinking this one individual who 
comes into our ministry at 17, but doesn't tell anybody that they're 17 and, um, and is working through all kinds of stuff coming from home and from their home church and just recognizing um, where the opinions of their home church end and God's call in their life begins. And to watch this individual go from being fairly quiet in, 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 in our gatherings to like being a person who's like navigating the ship. And to, obviously you don't know who people are going to become. But I know that I looked at this person as quiet as quiet as they were, as you know, sort of pulled away from. Right? I even was told later on that this person was like not sure if they even wanted to have a coffee with me, um, even they even though they knew it was available to them. Like they weren't sure because they just weren't ready to like step into a space with a leader. If, if I understood the story correctly. But I know that I have these moments that I, this moment that I looked at them, many moments where I looked at them in their quietness and saw, I could just see greatness. And it's something that like, once you see it, you can't ignore it. And so you, you, you as a leader, the response to that is you try to create opportunities, one, to engender trust with, with that person because there's, there's probably a reason why they're so quiet. There's probably a reason why they're so pulled away. Um, they're definitely coming to these spiritual spaces, um, but you know they're not completely convinced. And so you got to build trust. And you want to be careful, at least I, I want to be careful that I see this greatness, but it doesn't get communicated as manipulation. Hey, come join our team because we think there's a lot that you can offer. And it's really about this thing we're building and not really about you as a person developing, right? Like, and so you want to be careful that when you're inviting them into stuff, like that you continue to keep it open, that they get to make their own decisions. They maintain their autonomy. But man, the thing that like every step of the way, there's greatness inside this person. And I, that story it's specific to one of our one of our team members at the moment, but actually the shell of that story is the story of a lot of people on our team, right? And so they're probably members of our team, past and present, who just heard that story and they're like, "Wait, are you talking about me?" I'm like, "Well, I'm actually talking about one specific person, but actually, I mean, that's a lot of people's story in CCW where they came in with some kind of experience of faith and church, and not all of it was positive." And so they stepped into our space. They heard it was different. They want to believe that it's different, but um, they're not completely sure. They've been told that spiritual space, this somebody's spiritual space was different. Because and it's like, look at all our flashes. We're different. Look at all of our social media. We're different. Look at you know this pastor who's got tats. We're different. Like and and so you step into CCW. It's like, are they really different? Are they really different? And as you begin to find out that we're different. What you probably don't realize, what the student probably doesn't realize is that I'm seeing, and I've always had this weird thing, y'all. Like, I get around some of our students, and this is old Black church language, but my spirit starts jumping inside of myself because I see it. Like, I can see. So when I think about people like 
obviously, I'm, I'm going to say Richard Diaz because he's my best friend. But Richard comes into my world not as somebody who's like, come on, let's take the kingdom. Let's do this thing. Let's, let's reach the lost. No, Richard comes in as a skeptical person who wants to be in a space that's going to empower him, but isn't sure that the space that, and at the time that, that wasn't CCW, but Richard is one of those people that helped build CCW. David Sandlin helped build CCW. Sarah Hartley helped build CCW. Olivia helped build CCW. She's Olivia, um, is she Olivia? No, she's not Olivia Wilson anymore. She's Olivia Smith. She helped build CCW, but she comes in sort of like, what's all this? I'm not sure, right? Like Sarah Taylor, Brooke Lawrence, Austin Davis and, and Sydney Buchanan and Troy Buchanan, right? Like all these people kind of enter into this space. Ty Sullivan, they enter into this space and they're like, I don't know, I'm just going to do this little thing. And, like, with the, and then they become people who actually build this thing. And so the, 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 the thing I get excited about is whenever we have, a, have to have, have a new iteration of leadership. And I'm like, who's the, I mean, sometimes I really go, who is the skeptical person that's going to run this thing? <laughs> Who is the person? And, 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 you know, gosh, like, you, you, you stay, I just remember standing next to a Zach Calloway who was just playing in the background of an Evolve gathering. And it's like, something going to happen with this guy. Something's going to happen. And I say Zach because he just sent me a text of some stuff that he's still doing with us, right? Like, Oh, and so, yeah, like for me, gosh, I hope I, I don't even know if I even, stories. The stories are all very similar. Young adults grow up in church and grow up in this world not knowing that they have something significant to contribute. Not, hey, just, you know, be on a team and like get your name on a list and like do that one little thing and then go on about your, no. This generation has something significant to bring to the mission of Jesus and the transformation of the world, the good of society. And they, ju they just don't see it. But oh my gosh, I, I feel like it's my privilege. I can see it. And I'm like, I, 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 I can't tell it all to them because they'll never come back. And some of them have never come back. <laughs> That's how I learned that the hard way. Um, but then you just give them opportunity to do a thing and then do another thing. And yes, we've all got work to do. And so you invite them to consider doing some work and they do another thing and you invite them to come with you to this, to this thing that places CCW as a small piece of a much larger big deal. And, and you, you help them see that we, we're really just helping contribute to this much larger context and vision. And, and you just keep doing that over and over again. That's a story, uh, y'all. Like the story is just, telling young adults, like, no, you really have something significant to bring to the table. And can I just say, I can do that because there were people who did that for me and there were people who didn't do it for me. And the people who didn't do it for me, those are the people that I learned from of like, what did I need from you that you didn't give me? And I'm also inspired by those who like, you gave me this thing. You paid for that trip. You brought me to this table. You gave me that job. Thank you. That, I'm drawing upon that. So that's not really answering the question of stories, but it kind of is because, gosh, like the stories of, of 
of people in our campus ministry over the last 10 years, Christina Gonzalez, right, and Kate Slack, the story of these individuals, um, Jared Lamine, and and now Neil McMichael. Like, these stories are the stories that, and they're all similar stories, so they're all individual stories. Okay, I'm gonna let you. I'm just rambling now. No, I, I, I heard a couple things in there. Um, I think that as we've grown as a campus ministry, some of the ways that uh, others have gotten to experience the leadership of some of the names that you've you've named um, have caused people to wonder like, okay, well, how are you equipping these leaders? Like maybe like what, what's the secret to like picking the right people and equipping the right people? Um, and so I heard a little bit about engendering trust. Are there other like um, things you would offer about kind of your process and selecting and cultivating um, the people that that we get to work with. Yeah, so like a basic thing that's like precondition for all of it is an assumption that everybody has been given something that makes a significant impact into this much larger thing we call the love of God, the mission of Jesus going forward in the world. So everybody's the right kind of person. It just matters. It just determines that the question is, where do they fit? Um, and this is what is so dangerous about denying people's calling as young, you know, as young people. Because if they begin to say, no, that's the kind of person that gets used by God, not me, then they don't show up with their gifts. So part of the engendering trust piece is just giving these individuals permission to be whoever God's asked them to be and just to arrive. And yes, we all arrive rough and we all arrive with attitude and we all arrive with, not all of us arrive with entitlement, but a lot of us do. We all arrive with something that needs to be dealt with, something that needs to be honed in. And we all arrive green. We all arrive needing to be taught. We all arrive needing new knowledge, extra knowledge, um, new experiences to grow. We all, to, but none of those things change the fact that we, it's either the priesthood of all believers or, or it's not. You know, it's either everyone has been given a spiritual gift or it's not. Like, and so if everybody has been given some gift, my job is to help us discover the gift that is every single individual. Um, and then some of them, yes, they, they're meant to stay in the context of CCW, and that's a discernment piece. But then you have people like Marissa Gertz Copeland, who just who will be our first provisional elder um, through CCW. And Marissa is an individual who um, comes in and gets engaged, involved, does some stuff, but there's this opportunity to go be a youth director at a church that's 45 minutes away from us. And it's my job to say, Marissa, go get that. <laughs> go do that. Does Marissa have something to bring? Absolutely. But the thing she needs to bring actually needs to go to that church up there. Whereas someone like Cameron Garrett, who obviously comes in and that, that's a story, right? Like Cameron's story is different where he doesn't necessarily, necessarily come in with this like deep convinced Jesus is, Jesus is and then deep convinced Jesus is calling me <laughs> to ministry, right? Um, but Cameron's got something to bring. And we create this context where we invite Cameron to explore who God is asking him to be and what gifts he brings to the table. 
and and that stays with NCCW um, for his time. So all of that to say, it, it it does start with everybody's called. And so how do we help the individual figure out their call? And that comes with trust. That work of helping people figure out what they're bringing to the world is a it, it trust is a part of that work, and a part of the trust is me articulating, us articulating. You've got something to bring, and I'm not walking out of this relationship, this friendship, this whatever this is, until we get a little clarity around that. And then it's it's about what's the right context for that individual to be in. And so we then have some people um, like Aziza Gore, who has spent some time within our, our work and even working on staff. But Aziza's now in this journey of helping so many people, primarily people outside of the church, really have a, a deeper sense of their value and their dignity. And oh my gosh, we, we're cheering Aziza on. Do that thing, Aziza. Do that thing. Because we need everybody doing their thing and not everybody's going to do their thing in CCW not everybody's going to do their thing in the Methodist church but everybody's got to think that something they, they need they need to bring to this world y'all I'm not answering any of these questions I'm so sorry I I I love it we just knew that even a, a main interview a two-part interview with Derek Scott was not going to be enough time for us to really go into the depths of leadership um but we are so thankful that you have uh, taken this time and that we're able to kind of start that journey. I hope that um, if you're listening to the podcast and you you don't have a deep uh, relationship with CCW, like now you can follow along, join our partner newsletter, follow some of our uh, leaders' stories because Marissa may be our first provisional elder, but who knows who else you might see in newsletters Mar that we're talking about. Marissa will not be our last. I am confident of that. Um, so this is going to be the most challenging thing for us to ask you to do, Derek, because we're going to close out all of our interviews with rapid fire questions. Okay. Rapid fire questions require rapid fire answers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Let's do that then. Fine. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll ask the first one. Um, question one. What is one thing you can't leave your house without? My phone. That's that's easy answer. All right, let's see if you can do it with the second one. What in a rapid fire answer? What does CCW mean to you? The past, present, and future. Okay. All right. You know, I think you're two for two. So let's see if you can make three happen. Um, if you could say one thing to today's college students, what would you say? Take up graceful space. Wow. The man, the myth, the legend, Derek Scott, everyone actually being brief for once for all. <laughs> Stay tuned for a three-part message series on each, each question. <laughs> With a blog series if I get my ish together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right friends well, well we love you we know the community loves you thank you so much we love y'all grateful
Hello, everyone. Um, We are about to talk with Grace Rogers, um, one of our lovely uh, CCW fellows. Grace has served in several leadership capacities with us. Um, She is a UNF student um, and just one of like my favorite people, but I will let her tell you a little more about herself um, and then we'll dive into the, the meat of this leadership conversation. I mean, you hit all the basics, UNF student, everyone's favorite person. Um, No, but hi. Yes, my name is Grace. Um, I am an upcoming senior at UNF, which feels really weird to say. I keep having moments where I process it and I'm like, "Uh, we're not going to think about this right now. Um, But yeah, my major is their interdisciplinary studies major. So it's kind of a DIY, which I appreciate. Um, but it's centered in like sociology and religion and ethics. Um, I plan on going to Duke after this for my master's in divinity, start the whole ordainment process, which will be interesting, but, um, that's where I am for now in CCW. I'm one of our fellows. Yes. Um, I'm a fellow. So I, at the moment I'm working on like meeting the new people that we're going to interact with. Um, but, um, usually I am planning events like tea time and other things to just try to get people involved and excited. Yeah. That's about it. I'm a four wing three. I have to tell everyone that, but (laughs) yeah, so it is such quintessential information in CCW. What's your Enneagram type? Um, although I think people would have known just because you couldn't even find a major to fit your individual spirit. It's just, it's so hard being this different from. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, well, (laughs) I guess now that we know that and you can give us your different take on this, um, you said you're a fellow. So what has your experience, um, in regards to leadership been like in CCW? Um, yeah, so my experience in leadership for me has been really interesting because I got involved in CCW my sophomore year. So it was fall 2019. Um, wow. Time. Um, but yeah, it was fall 2019 and I just like dove right in as soon as I got here and I was like, what can I do? What can I do? I want to do this thing. And then I, like the following year, that summer, I think, um, started getting involved in CCW leadership, just being like an intern and like having different things to do. And so I got to like lead a small group, which was really interesting during pandemic. Um, and then like, I've progressed onto being a fellow or I guess focusing on the future. I wonder how you see this experience you've had of kind of getting more involved and seeing where God is calling you through actually just doing the work, um, how that might be important for future CCWs and students who are looking for, you know, where God might be calling them or where there is space for them as leaders in the church or, you know, in general. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think back to my first time in CCW of how everyone was very like, legitimately and intentionally just kind and like 
it was almost overwhelming of people just being so happy that you're there um and like deeply wanting you to be there and so I think like when people are interested in getting involved in CCW leadership like that opportunity is there like yes please like please let us like assist you and like be with you during your leadership experience too um and so I think that CCW does a really cool job (laughs) uh I need to pull up my like list of like fancy descriptive words but ccw does a really cool job of just like very intentionally and like lovingly supporting people as they figure out what their role is in in leadership like it's not always oh you go through this like oh you first you're a student volunteer and then you're an intern and then you're a fellow and then maybe you work for us after you graduate hopefully please um (laughs) but i think that like CCW is very intentionally there for students as they figure out what their role is in leadership, if they choose to have a role in leadership. Um, And I think that that comes with like just CCW being very loving and like intentional in general. Well, I uh, think this has been a very cool mini interview about the future. So thanks so much, Grace, for um, just the ways that you have been a gift to us and a gift in this interview. And um, keep on listening. Well, that's the end of our episode on leadership. Sarah, was it a great episode or was it a great episode? It was a great episode. Like truly, truly wonderful. Like to one, hear from our first intern, Olivia, um, who is just, I'd never met her because she came before my time, but she's always so like wonderful on Instagram to like interact with our stuff. And so I had this appreciation for her walking into that flashback. Seriously, we, we are only able to air a few minutes of it, but the stories, there were just so many good ones. So many, so many. And then, you know, of course we had Derek as our main interview who like, I mean, I guess he's okay. Right. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no, I kid. Derek's always like incredible top of the line. Great insight. Like, yeah. Um, And I I think it was so great to have him on this episode because while there are so many things Derek does well and sets the tone for us, for me, it's the way that um, he empowers the rest of us to do the work that really set him apart as a, as a great leader for this work. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I think, I think we see that in the way people talk about their leadership experiences in CCW. Like I didn't Mike describe it as like, um, uh, chaotic good or something was like part of like being in leadership in CCW. Like, and some of that is because Derek does like empower and defer in so many areas. Like it's not this super structured, you know, do these things. It, It is chaos, but it's good. Yeah. And I just love that between Olivia, Mike, Grace, and Allison, we get to see the ways that um, 
they are leaders in different ways um, and in different areas of their life. So um, I think we get to see the application that is broad and that has everything to do about faith and also is applied to a faith that's lived uh, broadly and widely and vividly in so many different ways. So. Absolutely. Totally agree. I, yeah, I don't know how to say it any better than that. (laughs) So um, thank you to everyone um, for listening to this episode and stay tuned for our next episode on worship. It's our last episode. This podcast is drawing to a close, but worship is a good one. I'm not going to say we saved the best for last because I cannot pick a favorite episode among these, but it's a good episode and you don't want to miss it. So definitely check it out. It is a good episode. So until next time, friends. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the CCW 10th Anniversary Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to all of today's guests, everyone we consulted with to create this podcast, and our podcast engineer, Troy Aragon Buchanan. The ministry of CCW is not possible without the support of students, partners, alumni, churches, and the work of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. To help this work continue, please visit campustocity.org slash 10, that's campustocity.org slash T-E-N, and give towards our $10,000 goal to be a part of the story of the next 10 years. I'm Sarah Taylor. And I'm Haley Eccles. And thank you for celebrating 10 years of CCW with us.